0: Are you ready to feel more energized, focused, and supported? Go to layeredsuperfood.com and add nourishing, plant-based foods to fuel you from sunrise to sunset. Use our promo code Doctor D at checkout to save 15% off your purchase today. I love smoothies, but I don't always love smoothie bar prices. The BlendJet 2 portable blender is awesome. I can make smoothie bar quality beverages for a fraction of the price. BlendJet 2 is portable so you can blend a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita at the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house lasts for 15 blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. I like that BlendJet 2 comes in uh, different colors. You can rock the style you feel connected to. I'm just, just a big fan of that. So what are you waiting for? Go to BlendJet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code DRD12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender in the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of BlendJet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with BlendJet 2 Portable Blender. Go to blendjet.com and use the code DRD12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. Right on time. Look at that. That was quick, Courtney.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Your instructions were really good.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, listen, I I am pumped to have you here. We're going to talk about you're not qualified.
1: That sounds excellent. Thank you so much for having (laughs) me here. Also, do you prefer Dr. Darian, Dr. D.?
0: Uh, you know, you any look. of the above is fine. Most people call me Doctor D. I I don't really care. It's fine. Perfect. though. So.
1: Doctor D. It is. It has a <laughs> ring to it, anyways. Thank you. But thank you thank for having you. me. I'm very excited. Um, your brother's intro. I did a little homework. Is amazing.
0: Awesome. Yeah, he's he's an awesome guy, and uh, he does really good work. So I'm pretty pumped about it. Um, so I came across your whole deal with you're not qualified. And I said, this is very interesting to me. Like I have a huge interest in this. How did you come across thinking about like trying things that you're maybe not particularly qualified to do?
1: The inspiration for it started a few years ago. And I started to understand within myself that I was holding myself back from paths that I wanted to take in terms of career, in terms of hobby, really different dynamics of my life because I feel and I well, mostly felt working on the feel part that I couldn't do those things because I didn't do them before. I didn't go to school for it. I wasn't naturally adept at it. And it took me until my late 20s, early 30s to really start to understand that that's pretty crazy and not true. And that you can very much so teach yourself new things. You can run down paths that you've never even thought of. And there's a whole world of learning out there to help you get to the next step where you want to go. And you really should never shut yourself off from a goal. Um, But yeah, I grew up and didn't think I was good at math. That started in sixth grade. Uh, Literally, my math teacher told me that maybe you shouldn't. Do much with math because I cry over my math homework and I wasn't very good at it. Um, And that mindset stuck with me all through college. I studied literature. I didn't get into mathematics or science, which is what I really wanted to study, but I didn't think I was good at it. So I just stayed away from it and realized now I'm in the tech industry and I was lying to myself for so many years and I wanted to. Tell other people, hopefully catching them before they were my age when I realized it, that there's so many people that are doing things that they're not, quote unquote, traditionally qualified for. They didn't go to school for it. They're doing incredible things that like very high positions in companies that are starting their own nonprofits, all of this just to make waves in their life in the world. And you can do it too. Um and don't believe anybody that tells you that you can't. So that was the huge motivation behind it. I didn't know if I wanted to do a podcast or not, but podcasts are fun. They are—they um, can stay very up to date, really relevant, you know, because you're putting out episodes. And so I chose the podcast uh, medium too, and here I am, and I'm about a year and a half in, and it's been very fun.
0: Uh, what what have you, and before I get to some other questions, uh, what's been fun about it? What have you really enjoyed the most? And what's been challenging also?
1: Fun has been meeting all different walks of life. I've met some of the coolest people that I don't know would have come into my life without this podcast, um, such as the founder of Hydro Flask, like he was on, and um, a whale conservation organization that I really look up to. I had the director on. Um, So just people that inspire me so much that now I have, it's almost like an excuse to talk to them and pick their brains. That's been the (laughs) most fun part. And I ask a lot of questions that I love talking to people. Um, and I know that my friends can only take so much of me like diving into the depths of their soul. So <laughs> now I just <laughs> I do it with the the facade of a podcast. So I ask people all these questions. The most difficult, I would say, and I I have a feeling that you might have kind of this dialed down to a T because you <laughs> do this and you've been doing this for so long and you do it very well. But Thank you. the Social media, I'm getting better at. It's kind of difficult to find your voice there, I think, and like gain a following. And I'm also not a big fan of the editing. I don't really like editing the podcasts, but <laughs> this kind of setup you have here makes me wonder if just doing it all in in the actual interview is worth it. But those are pretty small hurdles. The, the good outweighs the bad.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean... Gosh, it's been five years for me, and uh, I generally like editing-wise. I mean, I'll do some. It depends on what I'm doing. If I'm producing a series and there's a lot of artistic pieces to it, I'm making music, I'm doing transitions, there's going to be a lot of editing for that. And I just did a series that took me an entire year to come out um, because it was um. like a, it was a, basically a story about these three women who were born into – grew up and escaped a sex cult. Um, and so I had to spend a lot of time on that. heavily edited. But a lot of my interviews, I don't really edit that much. I just like it to stay as is. A lot of post-production is like the sponsors and stuff. But now I can do that during it. So it's like way easier. But uh, talking to people is fun, you know, and getting behind the scenes of, of something is is really interesting versus a lot of life is just processed information. Mm -hmm. it's like people give you what they think you want to see in small chunks, but that doesn't tell me who the person is at all. Exactly. Right. So getting that, like talking to you, like I read your bio and I'm looking through your stuff. I'm like, this is really interesting to me. Well, I have to talk to this person to get to know what's going on with them (laughs) Mm -hmm. or else I'm just given like this still picture of you and a bio, which tells me a little bit but not the whole story, right?
1: Yeah, it does. And it it gives you so much more depth to a human. You Like you did, you read the bio, which kind of lights a spark. But engaging in that conversation and really getting deep with questions and such curious questions, I think is such an important part of being human and trying to understand each other. And from there, you can just learn about such cool things i you know have broadened my horizons on just even random facts from yeah. talking to people you know <laughs> it's amazing yes.
0: it is amazing and um was the you really you pulled me in for sure so i was like i i go on a feel of how i connect with people i'm like mm. there's a feeling here that i want to explore and i thought like you're not qualified i'll tell you a little bit about my own thing with that but I wanted to ask you, um, beyond your personal story, do people like the Hydro Flask guy and stuff? Do they have these type of stories too, or they feel like, man, I just didn't believe in myself, or someone didn't believe in me? Uh, that people would be surprised to hear stories from someone like that.
1: Absolutely, there are so many. I started from the bottom stories, way more than I think that we ever realize, and a lot of their progression I've found. A thread through all of these stories, a common thread is not believing the naysayers, saying yes to opportunities, even if you're not quite sure exactly where they're going to lead in the moment. And there is something to be said with an unwavering belief in yourself, but that is part of what imposter syndrome is. You don't always have that. So realizing when that's happening and then figuring out how to address it with yourself to keep on going. and chasing down what I like to call your North star. Those are the qualities I see in these people over and over and over again, that they might not have had anything. And then they built an empire because of just curiosity and, uh, grit, you know, and just, uh, not believing because there's always going to be somebody out there that says that you shouldn't do this thing because you didn't go to school for it. Right. Like I've had people that are product managers tell me that the only way to get in is if you have a business degree and i'm like you're you're lying it's not true <laughs> yeah. then, so it's but those kinds of things like that's what they might tell you when you're growing up so that's the path you take but that's not the path everybody can take and doesn't mean that they can't have it too
0: yeah most definitely talk a little bit about the people part of it because people often make or break people's ambitions mm. about that and maybe the importance of tuning into who is your cheerleader or who is the supportive person versus people who are just you know, maybe not in your corner for that how do you decipher the right people in your life for that
1: mm, that's a really good question and it's it's really important to have that radar i'm i'm personally a naturally trusting person so right. it's it's A bit more difficult for me to really see it until it's straight in my face. Um, But I would say, watch out for advice there. Just be on the lookout for any red flags in personality, especially directed towards you. And a story around that, that I can share, (laughs) that was like directly in line with it. I was in. One of my first big kid jobs and I was talking with the new director of the program that I was in or like the org structure I was in and the director was taking everybody one by one for a coffee to get to know us. You know, it was a pretty small team and I took the get to know you as he wants to get to know me, not what I can do for the company, not what my latest you know KPIs I'm chasing is I'm like he can get that in a meeting like this is a get to know you chat. And I told him about what I'm passionate about which just happens to be, you know, conservation and writing and all of this and I really like it. He went to my and I actually like I tied that into the company goals too and I was like and here's how I feel like my contributions and my interests line up to the company. Um, I thought it was an A plus. I was like, this is great. Like I didn't just jabber on about myself, but he went to my personal manager and told my manager that because I have these, I guess, formed interests that are outside of the company, that I'm not a good fit for the team and that Hmm. he, I should probably either be moved or talked to that I need to Align myself to company goals. It was insane and out of left field. And I was floored. And it made me realize that he was just putting on the space that he wanted to get to know me and understand where I contributed. But he really didn't. He wanted to hear how I could make his job easier, how I could get the company a little bit more money in this area. And it's those kinds of relationships where it's okay to be so trusting of people, but once they start kind of showing you that they have not your best interest at heart mm. and they might try to steer you away or tell you something is not worth your time or that you're like a burden on some type, some sort of other organization – That's when I would say walk away, redirect yourself, don't listen to it. That's an extreme situation, and it might not happen. I hope it doesn't happen to everybody, but just be on the lookout for those people that they almost sneakily, you know, will try to tell you, like, ah, you're not supposed to be doing that. You really should be focused here instead.
0: Yeah. It makes me think. It was well said. What about people who are close to you, like family members, telling you Mm. that maybe you shouldn't be doing this? What's an interesting way or a good way to handle that situation?
1: Yeah. I, in my experience, (laughs) basically just do it anyways. But (laughs) (laughs) I would say that, so if your family's coming to you and they're concerned about... Maybe, maybe you want to be a writer and it's taboo, um, in, in the world that like writers just don't make a lot of money or it's, you know, you know, a fact that might not actually be a fact that people believe. So they say, that's really great for a hobby. Now, (laughs) what will you do for your career? You hear that a lot, you know, they, I feel uh, most often have your best interest at heart and they just want to see you succeed in the world. And maybe they don't want you to live at home your whole life. but <laughs> like That's like maybe a little bit of motivation there. But I yeah. would say that it does come from a really, really sweet place. But a good way to show them that your passions are valid and that your passions are making you a well-rounded person, a successful person – is to show them. And by that, you can go, you know, publish your own book or you can make waves in a way that you do want to contribute to the world and then show them, oh, look, like I did this thing and then I was on this podcast talking about my organization that I started or um, like a I don't know. I have like a cleanup crew on weekends sometimes in Seattle where we clean beaches. It's like if I want to get into conservation and I don't have a science background, and my mom tells me, you don't have a science background, maybe you should just stick with stick with writing. Um, I would say, Hey, like I'm trying to like show that I have compassion and I have like or passions in this area and I really want to do this thing. So I would say just show them. And know that it's coming probably from a place of love but you also don't have to listen to them it's your life it's only your life it's nobody else's life and it's it's only for you to decide what is best for you even though a lot of times your parents tell you they know it's best for you I've, I've done that. <laughs> but it's not always true
0: <laughs> it's definitely not always true and I think this generation of people is exploring that more. They're like questioning. At least a lot of the people I've talked to, they're questioning more about, and, and I think a very good way like what their physician says, how someone feels about their place in the world, what they can and can't ac- cannot accomplish. It also makes me think of the you're not qualified aspect of it. How much does growing up in this time contribute to Feeling like you can do things that someone tells you you can't do to things, let's say YouTube and things of that nature, where you could learn a skill or learn different things that will help you do something that maybe educationally, formally, you weren't trained to do.
1: Yeah. Uh, love that angle. And there are so many resources out there, which is something that I talk about a lot on the You're Not Qualified podcast. So, say you really want to get into coding and you don't have a computer science background, there are now coding boot camps. And you can literally learn to code in a few months versus four years and get a really solid career started from that. You can learn so many things on YouTube. I learned how to start a podcast from YouTube. (laughs) I learned like, and then just your research on literally the world wide web of what's the best software for editing and you can listen to other people that have done this and you can read reddit and you can have such a plethora of information it's it's absolutely endless i will say that there's the other side of it that it's it can get really foggy and muddy and bogged down with like an overload of information um, which is when it helps to really know exactly what you're looking for and what you want out of your endeavor and what you're researching for. But oh yeah, like it's it's such an amazing time to learn and to pivot and to do new things, whether it be hobbies or career. There's just there's no time like it. I mean, we grew up in prior internet times. So it was, it's much different now and I can learn things. I'm 34 and I can learn literally a whole new career if I wanted to literally from not going back to school. And that's just how it wasn't done before. I don't have to, like I could be a product manager and not go to business school.
0: Well, I think also is in a a couple, man, I had a lot of thoughts after what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) I think one of the things, one, uh and we could talk a little bit about this, but like with coding and stuff, I mean, also what's interesting, you can do that without school, but then AI is gonna be able to code way faster than humans eventually. So that may not even be a thing for I- humans <laughs> coming up. That's just one example. Um, but two, what's interesting is someone told me in one of my podcasts the other day, well, so in the past, like when I was uh, going to college in the 90s and getting my master's and doctorate in the early 2000s. We we didn't have, like YouTube was just coming online. There was no smartphone for that. So it was like you really had to work hard to seek information to learn something. It was much harder. Now it's less about seeking. It's more about what you, it's filtering. There's so much information. But then that filtering also can turn to distraction. So maybe oh. you're trying to learn something you don't know, but then you keep getting pulled towards something that's distracting you, like some doom scrolling or whatever. And I think that's actually makes it harder to learn on somewhat today because it's so easy to be distracted, you know?
1: It really is. Do you keep your phone in the other room when you're trying to focus? Yes. Yes. Because yes. it's so yes. easy just to, I'm grabbing it to, just scroll real quick. That real quick turns into yeah. 20 minutes.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's hard. I think it's a it's a social intoxication is what I've mm-hmm. called it mm-hmm. with a lot of people. So it's it's, it affects all ages, all different people. It doesn't have any boundaries. It's yeah. It affects the 80 year old as much as it does the 15 year old in the same way. I've seen it, everybody's seen it. So in many ways, it's like, well, we have the power a greater power than the Apollo 11 mission. <laughs> but we're more distracted by stupid videos than ever. And <laughs> things right? of that nature. To right? learn stuff.
1: <laughs> we could already be on Mars living there. <laughs> if it wasn't right. for... Yeah. Not like I'm a complete advocate for just leaving earth desolate, right. but oh yeah. my gosh, it's so true. And I feel strongly for Gen Z in that type of distraction because they are, oh man, their whole social worth in a lot of ways is on the internet and yes. they have to be present to fit in on the internet and like TikTok and Instagram reels. And <laughs> it's, it's just a very deep, dark hole. If you get into it too much, in terms it's of dark. Like, try to climb back out of that and actually focus,
0: it's very dark. And actually, I have like it's funny with my podcast. I refuse to do any social media except for LinkedIn. That's it. I and people say, "Oh, you could be marketing to this and that." I was like, honestly. I have to take. I just don't care. I really don't care. I'm like, it's going to do what it's going to do. I'm going to focus on one thing. I cannot be distracted by like five to six things. I'm just going to focus on this. I'm going to have a great platform and go from there because I just see it. I see the distraction is like a disease. It keeps you from being productive. And it's like, I remember when the pandemic started, I, you know, I have this hair. I have kind of a big different hair situation going on here. And I was getting my hair cut in Canada because I live right on the border of, uh, of Canada and Washington State. And I was like, man, uh, I got to be able to cut my hair. Like I need, I got to figure this out. And I went to YouTube and I learned how to cut my hair and I've been doing it ever since then. Just myself.
1: Oh, okay. Like, it, that's it a great skill, great. right? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it, it, is it took a great me a lot skill. of time.
0: But I was like, no one's going to see me anyways during these months. No one's going to see me. (laughs) So (laughs) so I'll just work on it. I'll get it good. That's like a good example. But I like literally would just like only think about that when I was doing it. Yeah. I think it's very difficult to do something you're not qualified and stay focused if you already have a problem with attention. Because attention is what's killing a lot of people right now.
1: It really is. Attention is, it's very difficult to keep it. And not to mention, it's just uh, not even like social media, but it's the situations that are happening in the world and, um, you know, It's very difficult to, you know, in a lot of ways, it's very difficult to even justify trying to pursue your own interests, at least for me, when it's like, oh, I should be fighting for the cause or I should be giving (laughs) all of my resources and energy to something that's much bigger than myself rather than trying to have a podcast, you know, and sometimes imposter syndrome can infiltrate in that way and that what you're doing feels like it's not good enough, and it's not going to make any sort of a difference like you want it to. Those are things that are very real valid feelings that you also just can try to overcome, but they do seep in when you're trying to go to sleep at nine at night, Um, you know, like 10 p.m. It's (laughs) – Yeah. And that's a whole other topic in itself in like that framing of imposter syndrome. But it's um, there's lots of distractions out there and it can feel like you're just not doing enough.
0: Yeah, it's uh, I've heard imposter syndrome so many times on my podcast over the five years. I'm like, man, this must be a serious thing with like a lot of people. But I also kind of think it's also part of, I think, the internet is like, because the internet's also telling people that like, this is what your life should look like. And it's always just the success of life. But most of life, honestly, is pretty monotonous. It's a, yeah. it's a grind. It's a routine thing. It's a get up, go to sleep thing. And then you have all these moments. You have moments of wonderful, different things that change up your life. And, and some people don't even have that. But like the Internet tells you in social media, they're like, oh, I just went to Bali this weekend or I did this. It's like it's just not the reality that most people live on a regular basis. And a lot of people have hard lives, like really hard lives But we just it's like we don't want to show that to people. It's like, but yeah, but yeah. that's the reality for a lot of people, you know?
1: Yeah. And us in America, we're very, very privileged in that regard where what we are worried about is trying to grow our career rather than how we're going to get food. Yeah. And yeah, there's, it's, it's really tangled and that's a very poignant thing to say. Um, And to even worry about imposter syndrome, is it's an elite (laughs) thing. Like that's what it is. Um, I was listening to, one of your episodes and it the woman is just incredible. Um Agatha Bendick. I'm not sure if that's oh, how yeah. you say her first She's great. name. Ag- oh wow.
0: Agatha. Agatha. Agatha? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Agatha. Okay. Yeah. Um and her climate change work. And I one will probably reach out to her for the podcast. But the fact that she was saying that, you know, Climate change impacts the whole world, obviously, but there's just so many different parts of the world that's going to impact even more, and it is impacting even more now. But in order to combat that, there's lots of distractions around what exactly the issue is. But to to combat it, we need so many different people at the table to talk about it. And right now, it feels like only people with the education could actually do something about it which is quite frustrating and it is just another example of, oh man, like that's a bigger problem than I can solve right now. But one thing I really want to drill for people is even if the problem seems too big and even if the problem seems like you have no clue where to start, all you have to do is figure out the very next step and then the next step after that and the next step after that to be able to contribute in the way that you want to because everybody deserves its seat at the table. And for something like climate change, which is so important to understand and know what's going on because it's the future of the world. There's ways that every single person in their background can contribute and can contribute meaningfully. And she said it in such beautiful ways, but it's so true that it's, It feels untouchable. These very big problems feel untouchable for a lot of people, but they're not. They are within your grasp. You just have to figure out what your grasp is and you might already have it. And if you don't, you can figure (laughs) out how to get it pretty easily.
0: Yeah. I mean, you are your own movement if you Mm -hmm. allow it to happen. You know, you, you don't have to wait to join a larger movement. You're your own movement for that. And I uh, guess was awesome, by the way. I, I had a great time talking to her. Like it was like it was like upper level discussion yes. about climate change. I felt like it wasn't like a normal discussion. It was like an upper level discussion. And I think one of the things I may say, because I forget what I say sometimes, is like people struggle with who they're going to be or what life is going to be far in the future. It's like they can't identify with the person they're going to become. That's why retirement is so difficult for humans, because uh, the, the, let's say, 67-year-old version of yourself, and you're 25, you don't identify with that person. You can't even fathom that that person is going to exist. So you're like, why save for that person? That's not even me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we don't have these 100-year projects. We don't have these things that will live beyond us. And I think that's something human humanity has struggled with, because we've been socialized into how about now? What are we doing now? Like, I can't worry about what's happening 10 years from now. But, you know, part of being a human is doing something good for the future. And I feel like we gotta get back to that. We gotta think about the people that will be around when we're gone. But it's also, I think, another issue, I hate to be negative about this, but I just I think about this stuff a lot, <laughs> is we have a real uh, aversion to thinking about dying. And I think the the less we think about dying, the less we contribute to the future because we just don't even want to think about death. But it's something I I am very comfortable just speaking about. I talked mm-hmm. to a lot of people about it. I said, I think the closer you are to thinking about death and that it's a reality for you, you will have more urgency in your life and you will plan better for other people because of that. Like you're not the one, you're not like the only one that's like gonna get out alive. Like it's a zero percent chance. <laughs> so yeah. Like, yeah. You, it's going to happen, like whether you want it to or not. So you need to get close to in the sense of understanding that there will be things that will live beyond you. It's OK. And we can have that discussion. And and part of maybe the work you're doing that you're not qualified to do that you end up doing will live beyond you. I think those are the deep things we should be thinking about.
1: Yeah. Instilling in people that they can make a huge difference in the world. They can uh, make waves in their community. I 100% agree. I love that you say that you think about death. I am of the mind that maybe within my lifetime, they'll figure out how to make us live forever. But (laughs) not like I necessarily want that. But imagine all the things I could do if I could live beyond 80 or 90, you know? Yeah. Figure out how to become I don't even know, like a Lord of the Rings elf or something and go off and <laughs> <laughs> stay, and, will stay in the It would be good for some people. Yeah. It may be good it, for
0: some people. For a lot of people, it would be torture because it's just like I said the majority of the population is is struggling with what they're doing on a daily basis. And like you give someone five, six hundred, seven hundred, eight hundred years, they'll just get tired of it. They'll be like, Man, yeah. I'm not doing anything. Because you know what you do when you get when you get all this time in a day to do something, the natural inclination for a person is to put it off. Yeah, and to say, oh, "I'll do that later. I have time." But what if you had unlimited time? You probably put off most of the things you wanted to do. Yeah. Can you imagine death how many, many scrolling hours? Yeah. Oh,
1: man. You would waste clock.
0: a lot of time, literally. Like, the death is actually a good thing. It gives you urgency. It's probably one of the places you're going to hear. You're not going to hear this much from a lot of podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it gives you urgency. So you better do something with your life. You better make it count. Do everything you want to do because one day you're going to turn around And you'll be 25, and you're going to turn around, and you're going to be 75. And you're going to be like, Mm. what the hell did I do Mm with this life? Like, don't ever regret your life.
1: Yeah, how did I contribute? Give
0: maximum effort. How did I contribute? And that starts by thinking about it when you're young. You have to think about it. One of the best things I ever did in my life is I took a death and dying class in college, and it opened my eyes, and I volunteered at nursing home. And I was like, man, I'm going to be old one day. I better get I better get things done cuz it's going to go quick, you know.
1: It does. It goes by insanely quick. I mean, we see our parents mm. age. Um we see mm. our grandparents age and pass, maybe even like parents pass. It's you shouldn't take it for granted and that's one thing through the podcast, it's I want people to understand that there's more to life than the status quo. There's more to life than their nine to five. They can find time to pursue these other things that they want. And I do try to make a very solid point that pursuing something doesn't have to mean you're going to redo your career. It doesn't have to be career oriented. It can absolutely be. I want to climb a mountain. I want to do something incredible for You know, like a local cause. They're like, "Ah, I don't have time for that. I don't know where to start. But you absolutely have time for it. You just have to schedule it. Put it in your calendar. Of course you do. Figure out what it is you want to do. But you don't have to live every day like it's, what is the show? Like the Truman Show, you know, where it's like, it's just, this is what (laughs) it is. And somebody's out there watching you just go through the motions. You can switch it up and seriously chase down all of the things that you want out of life. And that's another thing people like, I don't even want, I don't know what I want. Like sometimes I just want to sit on the couch because work is so hard. Mm -hmm. And I challenge that in like, oh, you might, it might feel really good in the moment to sit on the couch because work is so hard and you need to rest your brain. But have you thought about getting up and going for a walk and comparing that A-B testing of like sitting on the couch, going for a walk, how do you feel after each one? And from there, you're probably going to feel better going for a walk or i don't know going for a swim or learning a new skill on youtube for a couple hours a night and see how it changes you little by little and then pretty soon you're going to have a really cool hobby or a really cool skill under your belt that's going to serve you throughout the rest of your life and it clocks into okay this is something that i've done with my life and it grew and i changed because of it and i helped other people change because of it.
0: You know what, you should listen to uh, me, I'm telling you, you should listen to one of these other episodes I did. Sounds all like, <laughs> to make you do it, okay? <laughs> like, but uh, I, based off of what you told me, you would love this episode I did with this guy named Philip Sue. I think he would be awesome on your podcast. He okay. is amazing. He was a former tech millionaire, big time guy. And uh, he literally just his life fell apart after becoming a millionaire and doing all this stuff. And he went to work at the Amazon warehouse during the Christmas holiday season. He didn't know anything. He just did it, and he said it changed his life. He said it wasn't good, but it made him think about different stuff and the trajectory of his life. And uh, it was just so powerful his story. About I love stuff like that. Like he just mm. literally turned his life upside down. And it's like, I'm done with Microsoft. I'm going to do something else. And wow. it, was, it just reminds me of like what you're talking about and stuff like that. It's, it was so, it was so well received and it was just a different episode, you know, like he was in massive depression from working at Microsoft. And he had, he said, he, he had this one part, he said, I made all this money. And he's like, I just felt empty. I felt so empty. And he was like, the best part of making a lot of money is the moment before you make a lot of money. It was crazy. <laughs> it was like, he was like, it was really interesting, I think. And he's in Seattle, I think, actually. Oh. Uh, also, it's a great guy. Yeah, great guy.
1: Wow. That's, it's so, it's almost like you're chasing a fleeting, the moment before you make the money. It feels so good. Yes. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm almost there. And then you get what you want and it doesn't make your life any better. Maybe, maybe the no. moral of the story is don't chase money, chase passion. But what an interesting yes. guy. That sounds great.
0: Yeah, I think you would have a very powerful conversation with him. And I always tell people like, don't chase money, um, you know, because money will give you freedom and some choices but it has nothing to do with happiness. It literally has nothing to do with happiness. I mean, the majority of my life as a fitness professional has been working with extremely wealthy people. It doesn't make them happy, ever. It just gives you a lot of choices in life. Happiness is not one of the things. You should be banking on for that with it. But uh, Courtney, thank you so much uh, for spending time in the evening time with me here. Chatting a little bit about your podcast and the, your whole "you're not qualified" deal, please tell everyone how they can connect with your podcast and learn more about you.
1: Yes, well, thank you for having me. This is a really fun conversation. Um, I am yeah. I'm on Instagram mostly is where I usually interact, and that's at ynqpod. YN is a Nancy Qpod, and then you can visit my website, you're not for the whole catalog of my episodes.
0: Wonderful, Courtney. Thank you so much. And uh, man, we got to think about talking again uh, because I've, I was like, man, I have more stuff to say to you and ask you. <laughs> so Same, yeah. I have to do a part two.
1: Yes, absolutely. Awesome. That sounds really fun.
0: Fantastic. I'll reach out and we'll get that done.
1: Okay. Thank you.